0: Today on the Focus on Why podcast I'm joined by Jeremy Meadowcroft. Welcome Jeremy.
1: Good afternoon nice to be here.
0: Well I am very keen to share your why and why you do what you do because a lot of people don't know enough about what you do and they often stop at the garden gate and that will become a little bit more clear as we go a bit further into this and understand what that means. So why don't you just tell us what it is you spend most of your time doing?
1: Normally, trying to help people to find the money that they need to grow or start their business. Um, and often that's because they've either come from somebody that said no to that request, so they've been declined, or that they just don't know where to go and what's available and what's out there. So it's, it's good because it's trying to help people on a much wider scale than just a, a niche product or a service.
0: So you mainly talking about SME here?
1: Yeah, founders, startups, they can, be, they can be charities, CICs. You know, it gets as complex as you want, but essentially people are trying to start or grow a business that requires some funding, and they are either struggling to find out where to go or they don't know where to go or they don't know some of the things that are actually available to them.
0: And is it a case of you just don't know what you don't know?
1: I think so. The danger is there's some myths out there, and there's some deeply held perceptions. And I'm. we've seen a big change in the last, well, 10 years. So if you're under 30, you're probably looking to get a decision on a mobile tablet. You're not dressing up smart, making an appointment to go and see a bank manager with your cap, your cap in hand and hoping to impress him or her. And that's a change because people used to do it that way. Um Now people are using technology, they're using much more platform-based, forum-based information, sourcing information from people who've maybe been through that um, path. But their business isn't the same as the person they're listening to. So you can very easily get sort of some myths or some misinformation out there. So again, it's where do you go to get somebody that understands all of those uh, different opportunities?
0: And that's my question right back to you. Where do you go? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well I'm an ex-bank manager so I, you know I think I'm very experienced in lending and I think I'm I think I know a lot but actually I came out of uh, banking after 27 years with one employer somewhat institutionalized and that's really when my sort of career as it is now took off because I, I spent time in the public sector I work I lent money for a non-profit lender I lent the government's money who only lend to people that get declined by banks. So I had to had to come out of banking to learn about the other types of sources available. I worked in public sector along the line with with grant monies and got into a little bit of angel investing. So when you've actually done those roles and actually, you know, helped the clients, actually delivered the products, made the decisions on the loans I'm helping with, or the debt, or the grant, or the equity, it really does give you an insight that you... You you cannot have that experience unless you've actually walked that walk so I say I've truly walked the walk I've been a I've been a branch manager I've been a a, a decision-maker on commercial lending for 12 years for businesses but I've also hosted equity investment pitch days and I've lent nonprofit government driven funding that nobody knows even exists to help people grow their businesses
0: so how would they go about finding this information
1: well, there, there really is a, a huge amount of free resource information out there through the public sector. But organisations that people don't really understand, and I'm, I'm talking about things like British Chamber of Commerce. There's Chamber of Commerce is all around the world, but people sort of say, yeah, is, is that a company? Is that the council? Is that a non-profit? They don't quite know unless they go and find out. Uh, the LEP, the 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 leps as we know across the country again uh, a pseudo uh, division of of a government supported program to give information resource knowledge support and sometimes money as well in terms of programs to help and then obviously there's councils the councils have their own commercial side and information then you've got people like brokers who are probably ex bankers and probably dealing with a range of uh, lenders there's just lots of different places out there, but you might get a different answer from different people and if they're parts of the jigsaw, then my challenge is who understands the whole jigsaw because you, you rarely get somebody that's done their time in each of those sectors um, and that's perhaps you know the benefit of what I've learned over the last you know well, thirty three years. <laughs>
0: So how do you filter out the noise to understanding that who you're going to is the right person and you're getting the right type of advice?
1: Well, it's really hard. Um, I, I have a network of people and I'm not just charging for placing loans. I'm giving workshops or talking at events, funding events. And I might do, you know, 15 minutes on alternatives to traditional bank lending I might be explaining to somebody why their secured loan or unsecured loan will never get agreed by a bank in its current format. I might be talking about the way that you present your request or your pitch to a, a lender or an investor. And I might be showing you how and where different solutions have different appetites. So, your particular case, because you're pre revenue or because you're early stage revenue or you've only just Reach validation. You, you, you won't get that person will help you, but this person will. So it's it's horses for courses. And if you go to somebody who's a very experienced bank manager, and they say no, they're saying no about bank debt funding. They're not saying no your business is a failure. They're just saying it's not right for our products and services. So where do you go? Well, I'd like to think that my network is full of people who say, well, Jeremy's a good. Uh, somebody called me the other day, friend in finance. He's not going to challenge you X, Y, Z to, put, to give you this product. He's going to show you two or three solutions. And often the answer is actually what I call a blended solution. And it's part of one product and part of another. And that really is often a real, a real key to help people get to what they need and what they want to grow their businesses.
0: A lot of people might be thinking, well, I'm OK where I am with my business. I don't need to to get any lending. What difference could it make to sort of take that investment on board to propel the business? Uh,
1: if, if you don't need any need money to grow, absolutely brilliant. Don't. It's, it's better if you don't. But normally there's an opportunity or there's a threat. Or there's something where more finance would make you more efficient. It would either get that big deal, it would either duplicate the or, or, or grow the amount of profit you're making, or it might buy out a competitor or buy a machine or something or other. There's normally some reason why having this extra thing would be benefit, of benefit. So all borrowing is not is not is not a bad thing. You would only borrow if it's a good opportunity to take advantage of. But in effect. Um, by looking at that as an opportunity to say right what will that get me it's going to be what why why do you want the either the knowledge that you're gaining from it the resource you're gaining from it or the actual money to do what that is whether it's creating more jobs or 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 bigger premises or whatever there's loads of different reasons and often a request is a m- multiple of those so that they're wanting to expand they're wanting to pay something off they're wanting to grow something and they're wanting to develop some idea and and again it because it's there's a multiple of reasons again it may or may not suit one lender to another
0: and we're talking about the why and the why for you just said why why do they need that lending going back and scaling back right to the core of the why of that particular business how many businesses do you work with that don't really understand why they're operating
1: well it would sound critical to say that they don't understand the why. They, they, they'll, they'll have a vision. They'll have a, an objective, something they enjoy or why they started the enterprise in the first place. But understanding what they need to get to where they think they want to go often is up for discussion, let's say. So I'll often have a client who thinks that they need a quarter of a million pounds and they don't. What they need is 60,000. So being knocked back for 250000 is not somebody saying your business is wrong, your proposition is wrong. It's them saying we're not going to lend you that amount because we don't think you need that. And I'll break that down and show that maybe what you need is 60000 for the first nine months. And then you'll need another hundred and forty at stage two. Or sometimes the fact that they don't need to borrow at all or that sometimes what they think they need to borrow actually they don't what they need to do is raise half of that and get some other funding from somewhere else that isn't always debt funding and that's where we get into the world of sort of grant funding which is contributory so you know again people's lending request I always listen to what they say but it's not usually what they actually need or want to get to their objective.
0: And how accessible is grant funding to small medium enterprises?
1: Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it's a world of, of, of myths and cloaks and shadows, you know, to some degree. Um, people will often say to me, uh, what's available? What can I get? And I, I turn that completely on its head and say, you tell me why you're deserving of some grant funding. Because grants, no matter what area of the country you're in, no matter what country you're in, in the world, are going to be there to drive behaviours. Drive behaviours that add value to society. Add value to the economy, typically creating jobs. So, if you're not meeting those objectives, then there's probably no funding for you. And the quicker you understand that, the better. But for people to say, "Oh, my my mate got a grant of thirty thousand, how do I get that?" Mm, you're coming at it from the wrong angle. So, what it will be is. I'm trying to grow this business, and in doing so, we will expand the workforce. We'll be taking people off the unemployment queue, creating jobs that they will then spend money in the local economies. Well, to do that, there's probably some contributory money available to help you do that. It's not all of it, and it won't be none of it, but it'll be some of it. If you're buying a machine that's going to increase capacity, there'll be a grant for some of that money. So often it's a percentage, and I come back to what I said before about a blended solution. Right, well, what we might find is if we paint the picture, explain the why, explain the objective, and what the wider benefits to society, not just your profit, bottom line, then there might be some money from a grant and some smaller amount for debt funding that will give you the solution you need. And that's when the light bulb moment comes on. People say, wow, now I understand.
0: So I mentioned earlier about stopping at the garden gate and, and that's something that you explain is is a common situation. What does it mean?
1: I don't think people do it intentionally, but we live in a FCA regulated world, you know, and... Um, personal products, financial products, as well as commercial financial products, mortgage financial products, they've all got very clear limitations. I mean, now I see people advertising on social media things that you cannot do in the FCA. You can't advertise lending. You can't say, come and get a loan. It it breaches FCA. You can't market certain products. But social media doesn't have these limitations. So people, institutions, lenders, organisations are very Keen to make sure they're compliant and so they should be. What that means is they often won't discuss other sectors' products and services because it's not their place, they're not experts in it, they're frightened of saying the wrong thing and they don't know much about it. So, better to say that's where I stop at the garden gate and you'll need to go and find a grant or another lender or somebody that will say yes. And in my day in the bank, I've met people and would say, you might want to try this organisation or that organisation. Do you know Derek's telephone number? Would you like Karen's phone number? Would you like so-and-so's business card? And if you're a friend, you're introducing them. You're not saying it's a solution. You're not talking about the product. And I think we need to see more and more of that, because certainly in West Yorkshire, we've got a fantastic uh, financial network of what I believe is really good financial knowledgeable people who are great in their sectors they're really open to helping each other and i'm i enjoy that that people know me and will refer me and vice versa i will refer them and there's no um chalkboard of scores or commission or money passing hands it's really genuinely saying i'll introduce you to alan because he will open the door and show you some of these grants so i'll introduce you to kevin who will show you this and together i think that's really valuable but we must have that. that sort of collaborative way because the product might be a collaboration, might be a blended solution, but it might be a collaboration of skill sets and people in the councils and the LEPs, uh, they they, they know me. And uh, it's nice to be able to refer to and from each other in that manner because at the end of the day, the client is the centre of our objective and we should be doing the right thing for the client.
0: And how long have you been doing this? I mean, you mentioned sort of decades, but have you literally been working in this field always?
1: I worked in retail banking uh, for 16 years, and I got to be a branch manager, and that was the that was the proudest day of my life. My son was born two weeks after I got the keys to my own branch. I had two branches, 13 staff, very stressful. And after three years, I then went into business. So, to answer your question, I've been in business banking 12 years and five years in public sector and equity. So, really, 16 years in retail, 17 years in business, and it's it's getting the grey hair. And unfortunately, I, do, I, do, I see real value in my grey hair because, as I say, I've, I've, I've sat behind that desk and I've made the decisions on who to lend to and who not. I've been out and sat on enough potato sacks. I've done enough um, tours of businesses and read the whiteboards. And I love that, absolutely love it but you've got to have done the time. And I do see some people who are um, saying that they understand this sector, they're experts, and, and I'm thinking you you, ha- you can't have been doing that job very long or you've clearly not worked for a, this type of lender or that type of lender. So I, I, I do enjoy helping and sharing that knowledge with people because that's really what it's all about.
0: And what is it about for you?
1: Well, I mean, when when... When you go the extra mile, we used to say in in banking, it's great customer service and memorable, and people will come back and they'll buy more products. But for me, it's getting a result where somebody else sort of gave up. So when a client comes to me and says, I've been referred to you because my bank have turned me down for this loan. And I will question them and pretty much they've taken that rejection very personally. They've taken it as an assault on their business case that their business is a failure. And I'll actually defend the bank and say, no, 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 it's not that. It's just the fact that your request doesn't meet responsible lending criteria. It doesn't meet the FCA regulations. But what they haven't told you is there is somebody else that will. There is an organization that will take a social impact view and say, but hang on, if you succeed, society succeeds. If you succeed, we create some jobs. So, there is another step it just disappoints me when somebody will have just said no there's the front door goodbye cheerio when it could have so easily if they knew a bit more they could have referred to somebody else so for me it's about going the extra mile where somebody hasn't to get that client what they want and that that makes my heart sing really
0: and give me an example of some of the solutions that you provided for people in the past and what that's then gone on to achieve
1: well I, I, we used to do news stories and I mean the way it is now you pretty much either pay for that news story or yourself publish it so again we don't see great journalistic pieces about them but many 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 times I would have customers who who would come with that story that they um, had been declined by their bank because it was perhaps an unsecured lend and The banks used to do a lot more unsecured lending since 2008. They don't do so much. And therefore, it's just the credit appetite to the economic and social climate that we're in that banks can't lend any more than that because it's deemed irresponsible lending. But we can find social impact lenders. We can find a bit of grant money. We can find even some equity investment. By giving them that solution, they've then come back to me a year later and said, and now I want to borrow some more money. And I've said, but hang on a minute. The loan that we gave you has actually proved you to be more profitable. You are now a better um, case for your bank. Let's walk you back down to the bank. And they've said no, because (laughs) they remember the loyalty that the bank said no, and you said yes. And I'm saying, but hang on a minute, I'm referring you back to the bank if that's the best deal. So again, it's always doing the right thing by the client. All right, a year ago, you weren't right to, to fit a responsible lending case. You came to an alternative lender and we, we provided you. But now your business is stronger. You've got more of a track record. You've got a proven profitability and a proven debt serviceability. You will now meet their criteria. Would you like me to handhold you and introduce you to, to, to the relationship manager or to the person? And they've said, really? so you know sometimes it goes full circle i can take clients from the banks and then be handing them back to the banks sometimes i can be taking them from an angel investor to a bank or bank to an angel investor it really is a mix but it's again always doing the right thing for the client at the right stage that they're at and that's very useful useful for the clients to get the best possible solution not just the only one
0: moving on to what you do sort of in other parts of your life, and how that sort of always looking after other people is something that's quite important for you to sort of bring that into all strands of your living.
1: Yeah, it is really. Um, I, uh, I I coach children's football, and um, I got into it when my son was five, and I've been coaching for fifteen years. I then became chairman of the club, and I, I, I you know you end up taking on multiple roles. I mentor grassroots organisations for North Yorkshire sports because, again, I see voluntary run uh, grassroots sports clubs like small businesses. They've got people with great intentions, maybe not the skill set, and they're trying to do something, whether it's providing a service for the community or progressing an interest or they're struggling with some kind of objective they're trying to do delivering more staying staying alive you know at the minute with 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 money as it is so i i work for north yorkshire sports and i treat them like an organization i've been dealing with a bowling club i've been dealing with a a disability football club i've been dealing with um a a, a one man a one man organization that was so great it needed to be a 10-man organization but it's doing that it's thinking well what lessons have I learned along the way that I can share with you? And what more can I learn? Because there's some brilliant people out there who, who just with a bit of mentoring and a bit of guiding, you can get them through the, through the problem that they see as a mountain. And um, moving them on so that next time they've got some tools how to solve the problem next time, not just on their own, but so that I'm not a crutch. And that's really important to me as well. When I'm coaching football and children, you see that development like with any child, whether it's learning the piano, you see that sort of guidance as opposed to telling. And it's the same with organisations and it's the same with businesses. So I do enjoy that. I do like doing that. And I do see the sort of removing of barriers to help people just progress because they've got all the resource. They've got the energy. They've got the direction. They just need some of the barriers taken out of their way.
0: And something that fascinates me is is how many sportsmen Yorkshire produces, you know, top-level sportsmen. I, and I don't know what, that, what that's about, but I remember back in the 2012 Olympics, because I was a gamesmaker there, that there were so many Olympic medals coming from Yorkshire. Uh,
1: well, I think it's probably a bit of Yorkshire grit, but, uh, uh, you know, we've got, uh, dare I say it, we've potentially got the Leeds being the second Yorkshire football team to get into the premiership hopefully this next couple of weeks so we're getting back on the map and uh, yeah i just think we're, we're more characterful county aren't we so we, we should have some of the best sports people performing on the best stage i think that's right
0: so sports and business often go hand in hand with the analogies that you can make and you talk about grit you talk about perseverance in in terms of resilience and, and moving forward how much do you take sport into your business
1: Probably a bit of a competitive edge, really. I I used to say when I was, when I was a primary school, I used to walk down the road to school. And if someone was walking on the opposite side, I would try and get to the lamppost before them or try and get to the industry. I'm still that competitive now, you know? So I think competition is a really good thing. And when people talk about stress, I always say, yeah, but is it good stress or bad stress? Because Good stress is, is like sport and competition. You are putting yourself in a stressful situation to outwit and see if you can beat your opponent. That's good stress. That's not bad stress. Bad stress is a killer. Good stress is it drives you on and elevates you to different levels. So th- there's definitely a connection here between sport, com- competition, team sports versus solo sports, You know, team player versus solo player, that sort of thing in business. And I, I see many of the same attributes in people. They'd have the guts to start their own business, have the desire to, to, to try and achieve this objective they've, they've, they've got and the desire to be competitive and win. And I, I, I love that. Sometimes, like in all walks of life, we need a helping hand. We need a supporter. We need someone to, you know, sh- shake the stick every now and again. And we need somebody to be behind us and know they've got our back.
0: And also to know that failing's not always a bad thing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's many famous cliches and quotes about learning more from losing than there is from, from, from winning, but it's how you adapt to it, and what you take on board, and how you make yourself stronger for the next event. And we're seeing a lot of talk about resilience at the minute with COVID-19, of course. And we're seeing a lot of different people's interpretation of that word, uh, either in their personal lives or mental um, resilience or commercial resilience. But you're right, it's the way that people are adapting taking it, it happening, learning from it and moving forward and hopefully being stronger for the next time.
0: And you talked about earlier the parts of the jigsaw. What parts of the jigsaw are required for the lending?
1: Well, well, um, I'll often see um, a good business badly presented (laughs) or I'll see what I would call a pitch, like the request. Fixated on one outcome, and that will turn off the wrong audience. So, if people watch Dragon's Den and think that that is the way you talk to investors, you're, you're, you're going to get declined. And in that field, you've really only got one chance. If you make an appointment with your bank manager or manageress and you go and pitch to them and they've seen your business plan, you've probably only got one pitch uh, one attempt bite at the cherry so with a lot of these things you want to get that right because you can't say cut edit <laughs> can I come back tomorrow and try again and it's not just about a performance it's not about you know the song and the dance it is about the content but as a lend as a, as a as a lender I see business plans that aren't written by the applicants I see Uh, cliches used by people trying to impress me rather than thinking about what they're actually saying. I see too many quotes about EBITDA and people who don't understand what EBITDA is, but they saw it on Dragon's Den last night, so they think that's important, yeah? And whereas I'll just talk common sense and say, but your net profit here was this. How is that going to... So let's just keep it simple, Um, but the messaging is really important that you get that right because you might only have one chance to make a good impression and you don't want to burn it parts to all that component are being able to have substance in your request to be able to communicate it clearly and succinctly not in a 112 page document or in the song and a dance routine it's got to be a combination of those things really
0: i love that i think that's really good advice in terms of of probably preparing yourself but not over preparing being understanding who you're delivering that information to but fundamentally it's it's who's going to benefit from the lending and, and why you know it comes back to the why again in in terms of of what you're doing jeremy in terms of how you're helping people do people come to you as a last resort or do they come to you soon enough
1: yeah it's a good question Pro- probably a bit of everything but i'd like to think that rather than that my name be uh, we we say we're ever saying in lending we don't want to be a lender of last resort but to some degree it depends on where they started on that journey of their request because funding often takes longer than people realize certainly does in the world of equity investing you'll you'll on average you probably spend about six months before you find the right investment with a loan you're probably thinking a lender should take about a week to make a decision that sort of thing but in terms of um, getting the message right and how are you going to approach to get the answer that you want it, it can be a multiple It really can and um, go back to what I said before again if you're talking to the right audience then you get your message according for that audience it, it should be direct but if it gets convoluted and distracted then they're just going to say I don't understand it.
0: So why do you do all of this? What drives you? <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, combination of a number of things, and that is that people who are stopping at that garden gate aren't sharing the knowledge that they've got or not taking the time to learn other people's industries. And it only takes a little bit to learn. I mean... Aren't you interested? I am. I, I find it fascinating that my friend over here does a different type of funding to me. I find it fascinating that these the, this new grantees to do X, Y, and Z. I find it fascinating that um, we're getting more and more young founders looking at equity finance. I mean, wow! You know how brave are they? I, I, I just find the whole area fascinating. And if you're fascinating, you're interested in it. And, you know, the great Jim Rohn said, if you're passionate about about something, learn about it, become a student of it, and teach it. Because if you're on purpose with it, you're naturally interested, and therefore you'll naturally go and find that bit of information, not doing it like homework. And then you're teaching it in terms of, people will say to me, can you you do a talk on the funding landscape? And that's why I deliver the workshops that I do for the LEP, because they're, they're saying to me, We've got people here who want to understand what kind of finance to go for. You understand the landscape. Can you explain the differences between them? And I love it because I'm just delivering knowledge to people, getting them ready to prep. So, yeah, it just ticks a lot of boxes, and I just really enjoy it.
0: Well, I couldn't tell. <laughs> the passion was coming. Out. I don't think I've ever had uh, someone so enthusiastic about finance and quote Jim Rohn in the same space. So that was a first. Oh.
1: Uh, uh, well, I could quote it around a lot, a lot more. I've tried. I tried to limit it to one quote per <laughs> for conversation. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's in my car. I have a six CD set in my car, and um, it's just it's just always on every every other day.
0: Yeah, well, he he is definitely the the founder of a lot of the personal development that people write about today. He's he's he was definitely at the forefront. The shame well, he's not around.
1: The the one quote I live by is a quote by Calvin Coolidge, who was uh, an ex-U.S. Um, president. And his, his quote is about persistence. And uh, that persistence will always win the day um, of, of, of knowledge, of education. And uh, I, I love that sort of persistence or, and or sort of resilience is about keeping going. Uh, but I was lucky enough to live and work in America for a year. And I was driving around and I literally, literally stumbled across this brown sign that said Calvin Coolidge's homestead. And I could not believe it. I didn't even know. He's from, he's from Vermont. And I was on the border between New Hampshire and Vermont. And I stumbled over this homestead where his, his, his house is and was. And I walked in. And as I walked in, the plaque on the wall in relief was the persistence quote by Calvin Coolidge. And it's just it's my, my favourite. It's what I live by. I say it's going on my headstone. So, um, yeah, that's Calvin Coolidge and Jim Rowan. They're the two. Go and look them up.
0: well I think that's a great place to sort of bring this to a close but I really really value your insight in in the lending world and, and understanding that persistence is the key for people to to keep going and understand what it is they need not uh, what just why they need it but it's, it is actually more a case of the what as well uh, usually I focus on the why and that is crucial but sometimes they get the what and the how wrong too so that they're, they're all key questions to be asking so thank you for for sharing those have yeah. you got a find, oh before I say that how, how could people get in touch with you
1: uh well, LinkedIn these days, there's not many Jeremy Meadowcrafts about, but uh you can find me there. Or my website is horizon 8com So people can find me there. Uh, and I just explained a little bit about what I do and my contact details are all on there. And it'd be nice to chat with anybody that needs some help.
0: And why horizon dash eight? What's that about?
1: Oh, it's too too long a story, but essentially Horizon is about the funding landscape. The horizon being on the landscape. And it was that that was the first talk I got asked to give. And I then embarked on my first ever public speaking, which I then did 24 presentations in 24 months. And that sort of elevated what I do on a much wider scale. And people said, wow, well, you need to get him in to talk about the funding landscape because he doesn't talk just like a banker, he doesn't talk just like an investor, he doesn't talk just like uh, the grants team. He, he, he talks about all of them. And so that's where really Horizon came from. Can we see the broader picture?
0: <laughs> I, love, I love that, the broader picture. That will probably be the, the title of the podcast because you've talked about painting the picture and, and now you're talking about the broader picture, which is, is, is brilliant. So have you got a final message for the audience, please, Jeremy?
1: Just in difficult times, keep your wits about you, keep your chin up. Remember, persistence will always win the day. And if you can't see the solution right in front of you, just try and think broader. Who do you know in not just your network, but who in your network may have another network and another network? The answer's normally out there. And people generally don't refer people they don't like. So, you know, be nice to each other, try and help each other first. And let's try and share that knowledge around the circle so that everybody benefits. Just got to try and find the right people.
0: If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candlycom forward slash amyrowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.